podcast ain't played nobody. Uh, workmanlike assembly with Richard uh, to get this one done, guys. Uh, this was a week three that was um, notable for the mid, and we're going to dig into the mid today. So let's just go ahead and throw 25 minutes on the clock. Richard, you ready? Sure am. Boom, we're underway. So here's the deal. We're going to give you the big picture right now. If you hear your name, stand up, you get a ribbon, and then we're probably not going to talk much more about you. Uh, congratulations, Oklahoma, Clemson, LSU, Georgia, Notre Dame, Auburn, Texas, Texas A&M, Oregon, Alabama. You blew out all the teams that you were playing. We're very proud of you. You got a, I'm not, you got a gold star. I'm not really going to try and give context to like, hey, you turned Indiana into a grease spot. Okay, congrats. Uh, the two funny things that we can talk about in this group, of course, are our beloved uh, father and mother of college football, Alabama and Clemson. Alabama people are uh, scared they can't run the football, which is insane. Uh, and then we'll talk briefly about Clemson in a second. Richard, can Alabama not run the football? They'll be fine. They'll be so, so fine. I'm just like, of of the things that I – like, look, let's put a pin in it. Let's track it over the next couple of weeks. But I'm absolutely assured of few things in, in my life. One of them is Alabama will figure out how to run the ball by season's end. All right, one thing that you did notice was Trevor Lawrence uh, uh, beating up on Syracuse. Uh, he's, uh, he's real good at the football. Yeah, so it was a weird performance. I'll say this. Syracuse, I think, made a determined effort to say, if we die, we will die swinging. Um, and they did. They blitzed the hell out of Trevor Lawrence. They came with five people a lot. Um, there were tons of A-gap blitzes. There were tons of six-man blitzes. When you do that, though, that means you are matching up Justin Ross, T. Higgins, and Amari Rogers, um, you know, on single high with, you know, man-to-man with one safety over the top. Now, that's a way to die. And if you're going to die, at least go down swinging, and that's admirable. Um, But they were able to move Trevor Lawrence. They were able to get him off platform. Trevor Lawrence did not look particularly comfortable in this game. I know they won the game 41-6. to but they, they did not – they have not put it all together. Um, they have not put it all together yet. And Amari Rogers is an absolute cyborg. Five months after tearing an ACL, looks exactly like he did. Um, he broke a tackle and ran for like a 70-yard touchdown last night. That was breathtaking. I mean, I look, at the end of the day, they've got better players than you do. Okay, so – Lawrence is still working through some things. That's I and we we could say that confidently through the the, the first three games. However, yeah, he just looked kind of off last night. He's still Trevor Lawrence. He's still probably the odds-on Heisman favorite, except for the fact that this conference, and we're going to touch on this throughout the the countdown. It's bad. I mean, it's 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 exceptionally bad, and Clemson is going to have to beat itself twice in one game, three times in one game, completely implode for them to lose before they see like a Virginia in the title game. Yeah, and I mean, Clemson did not really shut the door on this until late. Syracuse had chances to be in this game. Uh, There was a sequence where Trevor Lawrence throws a bad pick to Syracuse, but then Tommy DeVito threw a pick in basically the red zone. They had set up shop in the red zone, and they gave the ball right back to Clemson. Clemson, Syracuse almost gets off the field with a third down stop, and then Amari Rogers breaks the tackle and breaks that big touchdown run, and the game's kind of broken open from there. There's sort of a theme in, in today's countdown of just sort of, again, these like mid-level games where two teams are both doing interesting things, very divergent. West Virginia, unbelievable win. I, I can't overemphasize. Unbelievable win, 44-27 to over NC State. NC State, unbelievable loss 
to be at this phase of the Dave Doran era to see that West Virginia roster that decimated of a West Virginia roster where like Bud Bud talked about it two weeks ago, possibly one of the least talented in terms of production in the entire FBS, terrible in the Big Twelve. NC State, what are you doing? I look, NCAA Jesus. NC State did not look like they were comfortable defending laterally, defending the field horizontally. West Virginia exposed them. Uh by the end of the game, Neil Brown was kind of incorporating so by the end of the game like West Virginia was running these shifts in these motions pre-snap. And it almost got to a point where NC, where NC state was like chasing ghosts because those linebackers start to widen those linebackers start to, you know, cheat or, you know, take a false step here and there. And then NC state is able to come down or excuse me, West Virginia is able to come downhill and run the ball through the tackles. Um, West Virginia's got some speed, man. Sam James, redshirt freshman wide receiver, number 13, nine catches yesterday. I, West Virginia looked really good yesterday. Uh, just moving on very quickly, Houston. Uh, they lost to Washington State 31-24. I identified this because it was uh, kind of an unofficial understanding, I thought, that that Dana Holgerson in his first year with not an awesome roster at Houston but probably better than what they're going to deal with next year would needed to split with, with Oklahoma and Washington State, which really meant needed to beat Washington State. Because <laughs> yeah. They weren't, they weren't going to beat Oklahoma. Um, they didn't. They're one and two. Uh, their defense is bad. We kind of knew that. It seems like they just expected De'Aaron King to do everything. Um, it's it's probably not possible for him to do absolutely everything. This was another heavily penalized game for them. Uh, they they've drawn close to 100 yards in penalties. I think it was th- it was over 100 yards in penalties the first two games. They were 70 something in this game. Uh, a shout out to Washington State though, by the way, uh, a good consistent like nice road win. But I flagged this only because Houston in this state looks like they're going to lose three or four more times this year. Um, and this is one of the programs in the Group of Five where the entire world ends if they lose two two games because of their their sort of aggressive push to always be at the cusp of the G5. This is going to be more of a rebuilding year maybe than the Houston people thought. Yeah, I, you know, from when you were down there talking to Dana, like, did they, ex- did he expect that? Did he and, you know, vice, you know, quid pro quo, they expect that? Like, what was this supposed to be? Well, I, I definitely think they, they thought they could, this was a winnable game versus Oklahoma where Oklahoma was just so deep and stacked. Uh, this is going to be very interesting only as it plays out in American play because they've really given themselves no margin. I, I mean, with Cincinnati, with Memphis, with UCF, like those are games where I would probably pick against Houston in all three right now. So I don't know if they were ready to tolerate a five or six loss season. And I mean, that's, as they say at Houston, that, that gets your coach fired. So obviously that's not going to happen. They are committed to Dana for the long haul. This is just one I wanted to identify because I wanted to see how bad it's going to get this year um, because they've got a lot of recruiting to do to get them back. And this suddenly becomes less of a turnkey thing that Dana was stepping into and more of like a, a ground up, not rebuild, but there's a lot more work here than they initially thought. Um, oh my gosh. Speaking of the American Athletic Conference and teams that probably will beat Houston, uh, UCF just smacked Stanford. Um, I, I assume you and I are probably going to talk about this from the Stanford perspective. Yeah, Stanford's not good. St- they're just not good. Um, UCF, UCF won this game 45-27, to and the game was not this close. 
Stanford spot Stanford spotted UCF 21 points and they just went on from there. I mean, UCF made Stan- look, I wrote this in the top whatever today. UCF made Stanford look slow, made him look small, made him look weak, and at times made him look all three in the same play. Like it was just not good. And and UCF, that offense was firing on every single cylinder yesterday. When was the last time we saw the Stanford offense completely incapable of returning serve and, and, and catching back up? I mean, they're, they're so used to controlling the pace that we forgot that, like, when they get down big, they're they're kind of screwed. Yeah, there's just no, like, they, Stanford never had a pulse in this game. I mean, it it looked like they didn't get off the bus. They were awful. Um, Penn State, hey, guess what? Uh, that rivalry's over, and uh, it ended in the most, I guess, pit fashion humanly possible. So if you did, if you missed this, this was probably the single worst decision of the day, and there were a lot of bad decisions of the day. Is that fair to say, just real fast? Yeah. Even okay. Mark Richt. It, Mark Richt was on the ACC post <laughs> last night. Even Mark Richt was like, yeah, I'm a conservative coach, but I probably would have gone for it. Um, I want to throw something out. We got to keep the pace going. Penn State's offense is very shaky and suspect, and I and and it's going to catch up with them down the road. Okay, let's let's just focus on Pat Narduzzi. So there's uh, five minutes left. I think it was four fifty nine specifically. Uh, they get the ball at the one. They can't get it in from the one. It's fourth and goal. Four four plays from the one yard line. By the way, four. Boom, plays. boom, boom. Nothing. They elect to kick it from the far left hash. It doinks. That's it. They surely could have run one more play, especially when I want to say they had something like over 300 yards passing. They couldn't run the ball at all in the game. They could have created something that would have attempted to tie the game. Uh, by far the, the the worst decision of the day. By far one of the worst decisions of the season. Uh, this was just a, an exceptionally crap pit game um, that uh, I guess – I would doubt that as long as like James Franklin and that current power structure at Penn State, they're they're not going to renew this rivalry. I think that that's pretty much it. Yeah, that was um, this whole week has been something. Um, it's one of the reasons why obviously we wish this rivalry would continue. But I think Penn State just thinks they're above it and doesn't want to kind of get drugged down into the muck. Uh, Penn State's defense looked really good for the most part. I mean, shut down shut down Pittsburgh's ability to run and uh, like kind of kept held serve uh, throughout the first three weeks like that they hung on with Buffalo when when the offense was doing basically what it did all day yesterday and then finally they had that pick six against Buffalo and kind of almost like had a system restart their defense might have to carry them the entire way this year Um, I'm just definitely flagging their offense as something to look at Um, okay so speaking of a ton of offense uh, defense I think a lot of people, yeah, just just a, an a overwhelming amount of horrible offense here in college kickers. Um, the over under, I don't think was the over under in this game was forty two, and I was I, like, ah, I'm not going to take that. I don't think a lot of people watched Arizona State, Michigan State. Could you just encapsulate what happened here? The final score was ten to seven. I mean, it like it was it was like a Herm Edwards wet dream. I mean, it, it was and it was a Mike D'Antonio wet dream. I like it was unbelievable. So the end of the game, something happened that I do not think I have ever seen. Um, Sparty is lining up for a game tying field goal, ten to seven. Sparty they led this game basically the entire game. Um, it was seven three. Like every time I looked up, it was seven three. Uh, uh, Arizona State scores. And then Sparty's coming back to try to tie the game, send it to overtime. They line up for the game-tying field goal with 12 players on the field. 
I have never seen that. So obviously they bring it back. Um, they have to re-kick. And I mean, Shank, Shank, pull, whatever you want to call it, that doesn't describe it. I mean, he missed the feet. He missed it off of the left hash. He missed it to the left, probably like another goalpost's width. I mean, it was awful. And, and Sparty loses 10-7. Uh, USC. We're going to talk about USC in a second, but just for context, BYU, uh, they win the game 30 to 27 in overtime. Kalani Sitaki's now 22 and 20. All right. And he's also more importantly, I think to BYU fans, he's now two and five versus the power five. Those two wins are USC and Tennessee, which is hilarious. They're, they're both very wounded teams, but it's still, it's still USC and Tennessee for BYU. I don't and, and I think that's just sort of how BYU is going to have to operate from now on is just sort of kind of vulture in the way that they construct those schedules. They're getting better at scheduling. They're looking more like sort of a, a comparable Power 5 scheduler instead of an at-large G5. Um, but give them credit. Obviously, they wanted to win the Holy War, but they've, they have just been annoying enough and 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 gumming things up to to win these these last two games and that's extremely huge for their program okay that's nice set that aside hold on we're uh, not talking about byu without mentioning the mormon manzel zach wilson um, how mad are you how mad are you that it, it's starting to escape your control i yeah the uh the mormon manzel uh the mormon manzel meme has broken contain i think um I've I've lost control of the plot, um, and I yeah. know, uh, I don't the, know how to get it back. The olds on sport the olds on sports media have it on Twitter and now. It's it, you're gone. It'll be credited to someone else. He goes twenty twenty or twenty thirty three yesterday, two hundred eighty and a touchdown through the air. Um, nine carries for ten yards on the ground. Not much to speak, but he did have a nice touchdown. Um, I think on like a fifteen or sixteen yard run. Uh, look for USC. Keaton Slovis decided to look like a freshman yesterday, and BYU. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he had three interceptions. This was going to happen. This, this is this is what happens. And it was they had a really nice, warm story against. Hey, guess what? A bad Stanford team. Now he's going to throw a pick in overtime because that's what a freshman does. Yeah, I, look, I, I was wrong. I thought BYU was going to be stretched uh, in this game in a way that they hadn't been this season, and to, to an extent they were. But look, BYU won the game. Yeah. Uh, all right. Very briefly, what do we really need to know about Hugh Freeze and the stupid chair and the and the Liberty win? <laughs> Hugh Freeze. Buffalo? Hugh Freeze chair of the week. Uh, obviously, week one it was a hospital bed. Week two, a dentist chair. Week three, it was an office chair on a riser on the sideline. When he chose to stand, he stood on one of the walkers that that your grandparents probably had with the tennis balls on the bottom. Uh, so we will see what the chair of the week is next week. Um, I am going to go maybe Barstool next week. What do you think? Hmm. A lot of people have gone like the gravity defying boots and the harness. Everyone's trying to do sort of the pseudo-sexual commentary. Um, I mean, I literally tweeted a sex swing last week and said this was... Have you seen those like weird tripod things that like uh, like kind of parents my age will like flip the, out and lean on at like a kid's soccer yeah, game. Yeah, the youth soccer game. Yeah, I've seen those. It'd be hell in the hemorrhoids. Um, Virginia. Uh, I feel really bad because Virginia beat Florida State, and I really like Virginia, and I've said this on the show a bunch. I'm not going to talk about Virginia right now. <laughs> and we're also not going to talk about the ACC thing until we're going to do that in just a second. Florida State. Yes. Final play call. Confusing. 
I think you and you and I were in Slack last night, and I think we both agreed that like I don't. I think regardless, they weren't going to spike the ball. They wanted to run that play really, really quickly. Yeah, Alex um, was apoplectic because they like they took it. There was some hometown home cooking with the clock management or the yeah. clock operator. I look, they were they were going to run a kitschy wildcat play, and they wanted to get Virginia misaligned. I think they exactly. I think they were running down there to line up and snap it, and 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 to do the it was it was a direct snap, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was. It was Cam Akers and James Blackman were both in the shotgun in the backfield, and at the yep. last second they both slid over, and Cam Akers becomes the quarterback, and they wanted to get Cam Akers off the edge with Virginia misaligned. Look, first and foremost, the game should not have come down to that because that's my point. Yeah, penalties at the end. Uh, at one point, Virginia had 14 straight completions going between the third and fourth quarter. Florida State had five personal fouls in the fourth quarter. They blew another second-half lead. Uh, the issue here is, yeah, it's the clock operation, and yeah, it's the sometimes like ridiculously kitschy play calling by Kendall Bryles. I get that because that's the five seconds we can all look at. This is a terrible defense at Florida State. They're probably just going to fire Harlan Bennett and, and put Jim Levitt in midseason. It wouldn't shock me at all. Uh, Taggart's fired assistants midseason before. Like, this is, yeah, this is the, the real issue here. And again, I'll, I'll just, I don't know. I'll do my due diligence and we'll be really nice about Virginia this week on the show. But <laughs> the issue here is that you let Virginia come back into this game in the ways in which you did and how bad they look on defense. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, and speaking of teams that look bad on defense, we're moving on to the rest of the state. Uh, Florida beats Kentucky 29-21. Uh, look, Florida did not play well enough to win this game for three quarters. Felipe Franks also s- dislocated his ankle at least. I think they also said he may have had a, a broken leg. Um, yeah. I, it was it was bad. But I will say this, Kentucky wasn't ready for Kyle Trask. I mean, I like – Mark Stoops literally said it after the game. They knew what Felipe Franks was going to do. They were ready for that. They had some secondary guys that were out. I think they had a targeting early in the game. Uh, And then Trask came in, and Florida's offense looked a lot better. Um, Kentucky's offensive line was incredible yesterday. Kentucky absolutely controlled the game on the offensive line, or in the line of scrimmage. I would venture to say both lines of scrimmage. Um, Florida held down Ahmad Wagner in the second half, um, but that – guy is really really good as a Kentucky wide receiver um I, I mean I look if Florida's gonna win games like this the rest of the season it's gonna you know toll some years on my life um but Florida won the game I, I don't know it's the most Florida Kentucky shit ever Florida won the game uh I've, yeah I've watched Florida and Kentucky play this game five years in a row Kentucky happened to win the game last year but Florida again figured it out Brutal loss for Mark Stoops because I think he was sort of positioning himself for that next gig, and this would have been a, a massive resume bullet. Um, yeah, so we will mention very quickly, obviously, the ACC clock issues now extend both with Florida State and Virginia, but also the North Carolina Wake Forest ending, which was not a which was not a, a ACC game. It was actually a non-conference game. We alluded to that on the tasting menu. We knew what the situation was. We were just making a joke. Everybody's in it a correction, but we love you anyway. Let's move on because we got to. Um, okay. So just real fast, everybody like, yeah, we're in a murder smurf state. Boise, they won a completely forgettable game against Portland State, forty-five to ten. They're three and zero. I think they adjusted really well because they had their freshman quarterback moment with Marshall last week and still won the game. So here's the deal: the whole murder smurf thing of them just sort of marching indiscriminately and tearing things up and getting into the playoff conversation as an undefeated G five. I don't know if that applies anymore because damn, the Mountain West is good, Richard. Um, so now the conference has, by virtue of Air Force beating Colorado, wins over Colorado, Florida State, Missouri. 
UCLA, Oregon State, Arizona, and Purdue. Are those all good teams? No, they're not. We're going to talk about Purdue losing again in a second. Arizona, surprisingly, beat Texas Tech. But this is a better... This is a better than we thought Mountain West. Fresno, they won't see probably until the title game. So, yes, uh, Boise is marching along, and and they have to be considered in the conversation with UCF, whether you want to or not, about the best G5 team. However, they play Air Force next week, and this thing could fall apart immediately. This is... Uh, this is a, a different path for Boise than in years past, or really anybody in the Mountain West, where I think this is a deep, talented conference relative to the Mountain West, um, and this isn't a team that is just going to go nine or nine and zero, ten and zero without a challenge. Look, um, I heard you say, uh, I heard you say the Mountain West is a Power Seven league. Anyway, damn Minnesota, right. Minnesota thirty-five, thirty-two over Georgia Southern. I I don't have a lot on this game. I will say this: at some point. Minnesota is going to regress to the mean because this this is now three and zero with three one score games. This is not going to continue. As we mentioned in the top, whatever, dude, you guys really like you you just you're into pain. There's there's an S and M quality to your scheduling. There is ridiculous. Uh, functional Nebraska. I wrote this as just a little happy. Congratulations, Nebraska. You were functional. You beat NIU forty four to eight. We've uh, shit on Nebraska for blowing leads and looking terrible when they were beating teams like South Alabama. You did what you were supposed to. And the thing that everybody's talking about at Nebraska and they're super pumped about is one drive right before the end of the half. They went 87 yards in five plays in 44 seconds, and they went up 30-5 to going into the half. Everyone's talking about the old Scott Frost play calling coming back. So congrats. Yeah, uh, you know, they – so I, I thought that they were going to do what the Nebraska SB Nation account, uh, coordination, I think had an interesting tweet. And they were like, if you're going to say it's only Northern Illinois, you have to remember that it was only South Alabama two weeks ago in, in a mm-hmm. sense of, you know, in a sense of you play not so well against that South Alabama team and you beat the doors off of Northern Illinois. That's what it's supposed to look like. Played well, got the win, move on. All right, let's go fast. Maryland, uh, ooh, Temple. Yeah. Maryland's got a Maryland's got a problem because they could not protect Josh Jackson yesterday, and and Temple was not blitzing the house. Temple was blitzing four guys. Watch that game. Temple was getting consistent pressure on Josh Jackson with four guys, and it's wild when you can drop seven into coverage and magically every Maryland wide receiver on the planet isn't wide ass open. Uh, Maryland has got to figure that out. We got a bunch of grief for not talking more about Elasico. Here's the thing about Elasico, Richard. We know exactly what it is. It is one of the few consistent known quantities in college football year in and year out. And you know what we got yesterday? An 18-17 final score. Nobody was surprised. Possibly one of the most assy assicos. I mean, just a lethal level of ass. Uh, neither team broke 20, as you mentioned. It was an 18-17 to 17 final. Also, uh, Iowa was like nine hours long because of weather delays. <laughs> Iowa's 18 points came off of one, one touchdown. They failed to convert the two-point conversion, which I thought was just risque for Kirk Ferentz. And then, of course, a litany of field goals. Uh, Iowa State botched a punt by having two guys hit each other to seal the game. The game lasted 11 hours because of lightning. This is what you guys knew would happen. So what were we supposed to say? 
Uh, all right, let's move on. One of the games we actually kind of earmarked on PAPN because we're really interested to see how far TCU can climb. Uh, they keep climbing. They definitely uh, they look good against Purdue. Thirty-three, excuse me, thirty-three to fourteen. Yeah, um, I, Gary Patterson had two weeks to plan for this game, and I guess his plan was that Rondale Moore wasn't going to do a damn thing. Um, I, look, I know Elijah Sindler was hurt, uh, had a concussion issue. Look, Rondale Moore, Rondale Moore came into this game with thirty-five targets. 35 targets through the passing game. He was, is, and will always be the focal point of this offense. He had four targets last night, three catches, uh, had another one that I think was like a a strip situation where he almost caught a a long pass. But, I mean, TCU decided that Rondell Moore wasn't going to beat him. He didn't, and neither could Purdue, 33 to 14. We gotta go really fast. Uh, Kansas State and Mississippi State. Uh, I watched every bit of this game. I just want to say, hey, we, we we I promise we totally knew Kansas State was gonna be three and zero and back to their total functional junkyard selves. Uh, shout out to Mississippi State's freshman quarterback. By the way, I love your beard. I love your effort. Don't jump when you're running because bad things happen when you jump. You spin in the air like a broken character in a video game. Uh, Arizona, real fast, they surprised a lot of us by uh, winning 28-14 over Texas Tech, didn't they? Adjusted defensive struggle in, uh, in Pac-12, uh, Big 12 terms. That's a defensive slobber knocker. Richard, you have 45 seconds. Take us home on something happy. Speaking of 45 seconds, uh, Tennessee Volunteers win 45 to nothing yesterday. Um, Look, there will be a lot of of crappy weeks in Tennessee football this season. uh, My crystal ball shows me. But at the end of the day, this was a good week in the University of Tennessee football universe. Uh, Florida Elementary uh, School kid from Altamont Springs, big Tennessee fan, showed up to school uh, in a homemade Tennessee shirt, got bullied for it. Um, Tennessee admins, whoever it was, took it amongst themselves. They sent him a truckload of, of UT swag. Um, they sold his his T-shirt design uh, in the school store. They sold 50,000 of them. They donated the proceeds to an anti-bullying organization. The shirts were on college game day. Um, and then yesterday, Tennessee went out and absolutely blitzed Chattanooga. I don't care who it was. It could be Knoxville High School. They won a game for this young man. It was a really cool story. It was a really cool week. Um, big ups to everybody in the Vols family that, that made this happen, honestly. We can enjoy and celebrate that, and we choose to do that exactly. We can also uh, go right back to dogging out Tennessee next week, which we will. See you next Sunday, Vols fans.